When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Eric Bischoff here. And have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host, John Alba. Every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here. No fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry... Well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. <laughs> what a rib. No, you have a There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. you, Bruce. I love Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Dig it! 
Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, hey, Conrad. Where the hell were you last? I missed you last week. I was, I got halfway through the show before I realized I wasn't talking to you. Well, I'm glad that uh, Polly's doing a good job as a stunt host, but I'm back. I'm not going to say better than ever. That's Eric Bischoff's line, but I am excited to be here because we're talking about almost a forgotten name from yesteryear. One of my favorites as a kid, Mr. Hercules. Did you ever think we'd be doing a Hercules episode? Look at us. Hercules, Hercules. I love me some Hercules. How could you not? How could oh you not? Oh my God. Did you ever meet him? I did not. I didn't get to meet him. So if you had ever met him, you could not help but love him. One of the just absolute, genuinely uh, nicest guys. I don't, I don't think that you would find anyone in the business that ever encountered Ray Fernandez and say, Hey man, he was an asshole because he just wasn't, didn't have it in him and was one of the greatest, nicest guys that I've ever had the pleasure of being around. He was born May 7th, 1956 in New York as Raymond C. Fernandez. We're going to know him as Hercules, of course, but, uh, he moves to Tampa with his dad when he's just six years old after his mother passes away from cancer. And of course, unfortunately, Mr. Hercules is no longer with us either, but he would have been celebrating his 66th birthday this month. Bruce, how about that? 66 for Mr. Hercules. Holy Uckfay. That was, you know, I mean, I, I'm damn near 60. Wait, how, Almost. Do, how old are you for real now? 59 for real. Okay. Let me see for if Wikipedia reals. agrees. Wikipedia agrees. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, Wikipedia used to have me. Four years older than I actually was. What, what are we going to do for your 60th? We got to do something fun. I'll probably be working somewhere in the world. Well, I'm sure of that, but I'll come to you and I'll bring the party with me. Oh, that's All a, right, Hey, wait, that's a Tuesday next year, bro. Is it? So you'll be home. I mean, barely, but yeah, but it'll be, it'll be on the way to WrestleMania. So I'm just no days off. I'm just saying Tuesday next March. On the seventh, ding dong. Are we going to do like th- this? Is my life part one in the in the podcast world, and just you know, like Bruce Pritchard, the early years, Bruce Pritchard, the mid years, Bruce Pritchard, the next mid years, Bruce Pritchard, the uh, Tenna uh, years, Bruce Pritchard, the Impact years, Bruce Pritchard at onefmc.com. Bruce Pritchard uh, is back. At, at are you, are you giving us ideas for when you no show us again? Yeah. Cause you, I had no show in a while. I was here last week. Well, the week before was a no show. No, that's not true. Last week when you were here though, you were still late and I understand it better late than never, but I'm just saying it's been a while since we've been in our regular routine. I'm hoping we can get there. Well, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta breathe, you know, breathe through, get, get a steady, get a steady rhythm going. And then, you know, you get in sync and it all works out. You know, I, uh, I think it's time to transition here. You know, after serving three years in the air force, Hercules starts wrestling in 1979, mainly performing in Florida and the Texas territories as Hercules Hernandez. When did you first see him? Would it have been here in 79 as a fan watching? No, God, no, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get to see Herc until, um, 
I guess he was in Florida or Mid-Atlantic as one of the assassins at first. He was like assassin number nine and then Mr. Wrestling 8 and doing that stuff. And I was like, who's the jacked up guy under the hood? And that was Herc. And then he came to Mid-South. That was really the first time I'd say mid-early 80s. So in 82, he joins NWA central States and teams up with Dewey Robertson and the two win the central States tag team championship on a couple of occasions. And he even got to feud with the NWA NWA world champion, Harley race. Of course, Dewey Robertson is eventually going to go on to be known as the missing link. Missing link is uh man. That's old school wrestling right there. You got any link stories you can share with us? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I had the, the pleasure of being around Dewey when he was missing Link in, in Mid-South and, and Dallas, and he was a unique cat, to, to say the least. And his wife traveled with him, who was a super nice lady as well. Just They were, if you were, they, they were nudists, okay? They lived in a nudist colony. Okay. Um, and... They were exactly what you would expect of if you were going to do a stereotypical without ever seeing a nudist colony, what you think the people would be like in a nudist colony. That was Dewey and his wife, uh, just pretty low key and uh, live and let live. They like to uh, imbibe in uh, some cannabis from time to time. I've okay, heard about that. Time. I've heard about that. Yeah. And it was the first time that, uh, I knew <laughs> that I knew anybody that just smoked leaves. And when Dewey had nothing else to smoke, he'd roll up some leaves. Wait, you're saying smoke. like, le- not marijuana leaves, but well, like marijuana leaves, but not the bud. Okay. He would just, he would cut up and smoke the leaves if he had nothing else to smoke, uh, which I was like. You know, it's something it was really good for was emphysema, but, uh, <laughs> well, when he was you, looking for anything he could get. So it was, when he you, just was a, a very interesting, interesting person, man. Had a lot of, uh, theories on everything that there was in life. He wasn't necessarily a conspiracy theorist, but he had unique outlooks on pretty much everything in the world. Like why some hotels would give you a big key ring that had the number on it and why some would just give you a key and put it in a, uh, envelope. Just if there was a subject, Dewey would have an opinion on it. Hey, let me ask you, since you brought up the the hotel key ring thing, I was reading just incredible's book the other day, which believe it or not, has a bunch of little good stories in there that, uh, I mean, I was kind of blown away how much I, uh, how entertaining it was anyway. He had a story in there about the everlasting key ring. Have you ever heard that phrase before? No. God tickled me, Bruce. Here's the, here's the gist of the con. If you will, back in the day, sort of pre the electronic key card standard that most hotels use, they used to have regular like house keys. And uh, of course it would be on like a plastic diamond or whatever. And so apparently some of the guys would then, you know, check into their room, get their key and then make a trip down to the home Depot or the Lowe's or the hardware store and get a copy of that key cut. And then right on the key say days in university drive room, four thirty one, Huntsville, Alabama, and throw it on a key ring 
So the next time they're in Huntsville, well, I don't need to see, I don't need to get a room. Let me first go to the old everlasting key ring after the matches ever so gently slide that key in room 431. Just crack that door. And if nobody's in there, ta-da free room. It tickled me. This is like the biggest con I've, I've heard since the meat scandal with Kenny Bowling. You told us about years ago. Well, yeah, I don't know that anybody ever made. I don't know anybody that ever made copies of the, I know guys that would keep their keys and do that, but I never heard it referred to as the everlasting key ring, but yeah, guys used to keep their keys and go back and just see if it worked. It's amazing again, but a lot of times those keys would have that do not duplicate. And there was something about the way that the hotel keys were made. A lot of times that a uh, locksmith wouldn't duplicate those keys, but that didn't stop guys from just taking them and say, Oh no, man, I left it in the room. Ah, and they would go back and they've got plenty of keys at the front desk. So they just put another one out and go, oh, well, we lost that one. That's amazing. But yeah, I mean, guys used to carry them in, uh, like a bank bag. Yeah. You know, like you do your cash and stuff and just throw them in there and stuff. And you'd go back and try, but also <laughs> some guys, you know, weren't as careful and just would go in and say, Hey, this is my room. Oh God. Well, that's not going to work fun to have somebody have buddy Roberts come in. Hey, hey, I got a key. Don't I? Okay. So it wasn't always a foolproof plan. Some of the guys maybe took advantage of this whole scam. And yeah, it screwed it up for the rest of us. My God, the rest of us. <laughs> no, listen, I never did that. Well, since we're talking about old wrestling scams, I mean, you know, of course, everybody's heard the old, Hey, there was a hair in my soup. So, you know, whatever, are there other little gimmicks on the road that you saw guys do where you're like, what the hell? No, I always hated that, you know, cause I, I don't know why I, I guess it was just something, you know, my dad instilled on me that you don't mess with the people that are taking care of you, taking care of your food and, and things of that nature and that they're working hard, just like everybody else. And if you're, you do that kind of scam, you're really hurting the server and you're hurting pretty much everybody on down the line. Absolutely. Um, so I just, and there was another, but this isn't a scam. This was just a good piece of advice that I've kind of carried on to this day. When you're, you know, you're really hungry and you go into a restaurant, the first thing that you do is order soup because the soup is ready and the soup will be hot and it'll be served quickly and it, you know, will warm you up and at least satisfy you a little bit. So a lot of times when I'm real hungry and I'll go in, I don't care what the soup is. I'll just get whatever soup you have. Cause you know, all they're going to go do is go back, put the ladle in, put it in a bowl and here you go. I got you. So, so I learned that er- very, 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 very early, uh, as a kid in the business, when you'd stop and get food. Chat me up about NWA central States. We don't talk about that a lot here on the show. It's because there's not a lot to talk about. Conrad, it was Kansas city. Yeah. Um, that was it, you know, and, uh, the towns around Kansas city hardly owned it with, uh, Bob Geigel and I think, uh, Bob Brown, maybe. Okay. Uh, Don Kent and what Don Kent, Don Kent was, uh, up in Canada and, and Detroit area, but uh, bulldog Bob Brown and, and Harley and Bob Geigel were the were kind of the 
partners and owners in that. But it wasn't wasn't much of anything, and it was a place that a lot of talent would go when they had nowhere else to go. And the trips were usually short, and the pay was horrible. Okay. Well, in 83, Hercules is going to join Jim Crockett Promotions, and he winds up being paired with Jody Hamilton, who had been wrestling as the masked assassin. So Fernandez becomes masked assassin number two, a gimmick that had been placed on several other wrestlers over the years. And the two competed at the first ever Starcade, and is in the first match ever of Starcade, beating the team of Rufus R. Jones and Bugsy McGraw. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about Jody Hamilton here on the show. Of course, I think a lot of our listeners remember that the WCW version of the gorilla position, they tried to call the Jody position because he was a part of that program and helped train a lot of guys down at the power plant, but he's also the father of former WCW referee, Nick Patrick. Tell us about Jody Hamilton, the performer though. What we've talked about was sort of after his in-ring days, but as a heel, what can you tell us about Jody Hamilton? Well, Jody Hamilton was one half of the masked assassins who were the probably the most notorious mass tag team in the business through the 50s, 60s, 70s. They were unbelievable uh, as far as their work. They were scary. And Jerry Briscoe tells the story of being a kid. And even after Jerry had broken into the business of being afraid of the masked assassins because they would, the way they worked, the way they talked, Jody Hamilton could cut a promo that was old school, but it's what we did as far as talking the audience into the building. And Jody would make you fearful for your favorites and fearful for your heroes that the assassins were going to be the ultimate demise of your heroes. They worked great. I, I, what I've seen and I haven't seen a ton, but everything that I have seen of the assassins from like the seventies, um, they moved great for big men. Uh, Tom Ernesto was a big guy. He wasn't as big as Jody, but they were big guys. And, it was the stereotypical heel masked tag team that was feared and dangerous and people would scatter when they came out because you didn't know who was behind that mask. You just knew that it was an escaped convict that was hiding from the law. Hence the, the name, the assassins, right. they're, they're really assassins. I'll tell you what, Ethel, that guy right there, I think I, I recognize his eyes. I've seen him on that most wanted poster down there. I think he done kill people. And he's down here right now. He, he's going to get Eddie Graham. And by God, Eddie, you can't, he, he may kill you. I mean, that was, that was the mentality. But Jody Hamilton was able to give that mystique. And it was a, you know, it's a lost art in many ways. Jody embraced the hatred and the heat of the crowd, but even being in the, in the business, Briscoe was afraid to work with him. Really? No, he's an assassin. Jerry was a young kid. He was, you know, this young college kid and all this stuff. And these guys were brutes, but wow. they became very good friends. And, and Jody was a, a master at his craft, absolutely a master at his craft and went on to teach people and, uh, had a great career after the fact. 
So why don't you think Hercules worked out with Jim Crockett? I mean, in 83, they had a lot of momentum, you know, Starcade is obviously going to be a huge event, turn away business. Uh, but he doesn't last long there in 84. He's with Bill Watts, it, or is that just the nature of the business at the time? You're trying to bounce around these different territories. Well, it's the nature of the business, but also Herc uh, didn't have a whole lot of charisma, uh, especially on the microphone. Herc was not a good talker and quiet guy looked like a just brick shit house, but, uh, he didn't, he didn't have that charisma. He really didn't have that. Oh my God. You know, and he couldn't talk. He just was kind of a really nice guy, mild mannered and, you know, down here and everything. So he couldn't connect with the audience. Uh, and the mask was the best way to get him experience and get him comfortable. And then later on, put him with managers. So in 84, uh, he's once again, donning a mask for bill Watts, Mr. Wrestling two had recently turned on his tag team partner, Magnum TA, and he became a heel in the process, of course. So Mr. Wrestling two renamed himself simply Mr. Wrestling and got a new protege, Mr. Wrestling two, who was in fact, Hercules under a mask, but they referred to him as Mr. Wrestling three in the magazines to avoid confusion amongst their readers as to, you know, who's who. So Mr. Two is uh, going to be seconding Mr. Wrestling in his feud with Magnum TA. And then later, of course, Herc unmasks and competes once again, it's Hercules Hernandez. He winds up feuding with Jim Duggan as Jim Cornette's bodyguard. This is probably when you first see him, you would say. Yeah, it was when I first met him when he was in the Mid-South Territory and was uh, coming around. He was, again, uh, a hulk of a man. He was a, he was a big, impressive-looking guy that looked very intimidating. But again, once you got to know him, he was really a very mild-mannered, soft-spoken, um, just prince of a human being. Now, I guess the question is, we know he was wearing a mask, but our man started to lose his hair here. Um, if you take a look at pictures of Hercules, you could say that maybe he had a forehead, maybe he had a five or six or even a seven head, but the reality is two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35 and more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from some form of male pattern baldness, not just Hercules, but that's why we recommend keeps you see keeps has the only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Think about that. In all the world, there's only two medications that can do that. Keeps has both. What else does Keeps have? More five-star reviews than any of their competitors. You see, Keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, and they've even got 24-7 care and support. You see, Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality. Treatments start at just $10 a month and keeps offers generic versions of those two FDA approved medications to prevent hair loss. So the treatment plans are affordable. How affordable? Well, about typically half the cost of the pharmacy prices keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and more importantly, proven results. So remember prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. And when it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, 
go to keeps.com slash wrestle to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle to get your first month free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle. This mother's day and father's day, look no further for the perfect gift than paintyourlife.com. It's worked for me every time. And when I say every time, I mean it. I've used paintyourlife.com to bring tears to the eyes of my mom, my dad, even my father-in-law. And right now I'm ordering one for my mother-in-law all from paintyourlife.com. My mother-in-law's life is her dog, Missy. And this year, my wife and I knew exactly what to get my mother-in-law for mother's day, a painting of Missy. It really is that simple too. All we needed was a, a picture from our phone. Boom. We're up and running. You see, paintyourlife.com can really create a hand painted portrait to fit almost any budget. And it's the perfect gift for your mother, your father, or both. I've used it, as I said, on almost every person in my life. I've given these to my wife. I've given it to my cousin, my mom, my dad, my father-in-law. If I'm looking to give a truly meaningful, personable gift, I know the paintyourlife.com has my back and they're going to make it easy. You can go ahead and start the entire process in less than five minutes. And what's really cool about paintyourlife.com is they can even combine photos. Maybe you want to put two people who never met in one of your favorite vacation spots. You can do that. Just upload the photos. Bam. You're good to go. Maybe grandpa never got to meet his grandson. With paintyourlife.com that can become a reality. You can put people and places together. Even if they've never been there, you pick the artist, you pick the medium. Do you want oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even go ahead and pick out an awesome frame. The whole process to get started, as I said, takes less than five minutes and you can actually get your painting in as little as two weeks, but you work hand in hand with the artist to get every detail. Perfect. If you're looking to get those waterworks going to have your mom or your dad tear that paper and just almost be overcome with emotion. That's what I got. And I've never gotten that reaction to a gift card. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. There's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now, to get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. So Bruce, as we're talking about bouncing around the territories, um, you get a chance to see him interact with a lot of different personalities. We've talked about Harley race. We talked about Jody Hamilton. Now we're talking about Mr. Wrestling too. And now Jim Cornette, um, that to me just feels like money doing something with, with Hercules and Cornette. what do you think of that pairing? Well, I think that that was the first time that you really got to see Hercules blossom a little bit because he had someone that could talk for him and all that Herc had to do was perform in the ring, which Herc could perform in the ring. He definitely could. And Cornetta's mouthpiece was instant heat. And that combination definitely worked being able to be at the side of Johnny Walker, Mr. Wrestling 2, uh, he would learn an awful lot. Oh, my God. You know, he was under the learning tree there, even though Johnny could be an absolutely miserable, miserable guy. Um, 
you're not going to hear a lot of people say a lot of nice things about Johnny Walker. We're not going to say anything bad about her. But the combination was great. You know, Cornette had the Midnight Express, but Cornette was such a big mouth that he needed that extra protection, hence the bodyguard of Hercules Hernandez. So it fit. I, I mean, I know that um, Mr. Wrestling 2 had a legal past, but I haven't heard a bunch of people say that he was miserable to be around. Can you expand on that? He was miserable to be around. Talk to anybody that was around him for any length of time. Johnny could just be give me an example, kind of nasty though. and like, like, what? How, like how, give me an example though. Like how was he miserable? He just was always grumpy. I see. He was just, he was that grumpy old man. He was that grumpy old man that was yelling at the clouds even back then. I see. He just was always seemed to be in a bad mood and very rarely did you, did you see him be happy? I got you. So he's likely the, uh, the, the first wrestler, at least that I can see to go on TV and brag about steroids. He did a localized promo for Oklahoma city before facing Jim Duggan, where he says, look at these arms five to anabols a day. As he flexed, that's a bit out of the norm for a guy to be talking about this, but they were illegal at the time, but still it's, uh, a little unusual. Straight out of Superstar Billy Graham's playbook. Oh, he that used to say that too. Superstar Billy Graham's lines that Superstar used to do all the time. So it wasn't oh, anything right. original. He was stealing it right out of uh, Superstar's playbook. That's fantastic. By then, a balls of day, I got Decker running through these veins. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, there's a lot of those famous promos. And again, you go back. It wasn't something that was illegal. Right. And it, it was, it was also something that no one knew what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. Unless you were in the know, you didn't know. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was, um, <laughs> you know, it was a different, it was a different time and different place. It was the eighties. Yes. And I remember <laughs> where the hell uh, was the building Beaumont, Texas. And in Beaumont, we had a hallway in the back and a lot of dressing rooms in the back. And so Chavo Guerrero and I had gotten there and all this shit. And we walked in the dressing room and there's uh, Hercules Hernandez and Dr. Death. And they're sitting on the floor of the locker room. And they have a drink, each of them, in a brown paper bag. Like, you know how some people will get a beer and they'll put the beer in the bag or they'll have a bottle of whiskey in the bag and just drink it out of the bag. And both doc and Herc have something in the bag and they're drinking, you know, whatever it is that they're drinking and, uh, looked at them and they both looked like they hadn't slept in days and had been on a bender for about six months. Their hair was all messed up, both in beers and both at their mouths, hanging open, drinking out of this paper bag. And I never forget Chavo Guerrero looking at me and goes, Pritchard, Pritchard, this is what I tried to tell you all the time, man. Moderation, moderation. If you do too much, man, you're going to end up looking like this. This is not moderation. And you want to know what they were drinking? What? Gatorade. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but it was, but if you looked at it, you saw it, it was, it was just this picture. I will never be able to get out of my mind. Because of Chavo Guerrero, of all people, preaching moderation. And if you knew Chavo, Chavo didn't really practice a lot of moderation. 
Okay, no. Preached a lot of moderation. That's why to this day I say moderation. Well, uh, we maybe need moderate moderation. We needed, we probably needed a little moderation here because Herc's going to join Skandar Akbar stable devastation incorporated and alongside Ted DiBiase as chic Hercules, not chic tugboat. They win the mid South tag team titles. As part of Devastation Inc., Herc's going to feud with Junkyard Dog and Terry Taylor before leaving for Florida in 85. Any idea what the circumstances were behind him leaving Mid-South? Did he have issues with Bill Watts, or was it time to just move on? I think it was time to move on and learn a new Holt. I love it. So uh, from there, Hercules uh, quickly wins the NWA Florida Southern Heavyweight Championship. From Brian but you're leaving Blake. out the best part. Okay. You're leaving out the part about the, the Jim Cornette losing his hair. Oh, I got to hear this story. And they had, we've talked about this before our mid South stuff, but it was Herc and I believe it was Duggan and the stip- stimulation was that if Duggan won, then Cornette got his head shaved and Bill Dundee was the booker. Problem is, is they booked the damn thing in uh, like Baton Rouge or New Orleans or wherever the hell they booked it. They booked it in in a town in Louisiana, and then they booked it on a Friday night in Houston or a Sunday night in Houston, whatever the hell it was. And they shaved Cornette's head in front of like a thousand people in Louisiana, and we had ten thousand people in Houston. Did it pay for the hair match? And Cornette's already bald. Oh my gosh. And so Dundee just brought in some guy, uh, uh, Jim Jameson or something like that from Memphis and said it was Cornette's cousin. And we shaved his head instead. But the biggest ripoff, absolutely horrible. And then when I saw Cornette, you know, they didn't shave him bald, they just gave him a haircut. So I said, good God, man, take the mask off and shave him, you know, give some kind of payday. And they didn't want to do that. So yeah, that, that hurt, that hurt Houston for a while, big time. Wow. So let's talk about the Florida deal. He's going to win the Florida belt from Brian Blair. And then he wins the Florida heavyweight championship from Hector Guerrero the following month. Well, that made him a double champion. And then sometime during July 85, I believe Hercules is fired from the Florida territory after a dressing room fight with the then booker Wahoo McDaniel. And of course, as a result, he's stripped of both titles. Did you ever hear about that story of him and Wahoo getting into a dust up? Vaguely, but I think that, you know, I'm pretty sure Wahoo kind of instigated that. And, uh, Wahoo's booker, Wahoo's the boss. Guess who wins? I see. There you go. Uh, after leaving Florida, he goes to the world wrestling council down in Puerto Rico before signing with the WWF. Uh, he debuts with the company on November 4th, 1985 in Brantford, Ontario for the all-star wrestling tapings. They would film every three weeks up there. He appears on Jesse Ventura's body shop. And then in his first match, get this. He defeats his future power and glory partner, Paul Roma, getting the pin with a flying clothesline in three minutes and 38 seconds or 30 seconds. Rather. It's so cool to see 
What a small world it is. Hercules first match in the company is with his future tag team partner. That's kind of fun. By God, that's just the way the world spins. Cause see, that's what it does. It's on an axle and it spins and it goes round and round and you keep going around. You're going to run into the same people over and over and over again, all throughout your career. That's just the way it works. But you know, Hercules, I think was, was perfect for the WWE at the time that it was growing and it was looking for stars and he fit the hit, fit the mold of the big guys that they liked. So let's talk about, uh, him as a, a singles competitor. We're going to talk a little bit about him as a tag team guy in a bit, but you've seen him as a tag team champ at this point, as a singles champ, it feels like some guys are better suited for one or the other. How would you classify Hercules better as a single or better as a tag? I think Herc was better as a single with manager. Okay. So he de- uh, debuts here in November of 85. We know he's going to be managed by classy Freddie Blassie, uh, out of the norm for Blassie. He's usually just managing quote unquote foreign heels. Uh, and Hercules also ends up being Blassie's final protege to go along with iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, who he's, who he was also managing. I guess that's kind of a cool little trivia note and footnote in history that, Hey man, it's kind of a cool deal to be the last guy that Blassie manages, right? Well, I, I can, I can explain the whole, you know, international deal because Freddie Blassie got his contract from Scandor Akbar and devastation Inc. Of course. And Herc had, you know, he wore the, uh, headgear and everything. And Blassie thought he was a sheep. So I get it. He was confused. You know, Akbar, Akbar. And that devastation, they were a tricky, they were a tricky group that would, uh, sometimes pull the wool over people's eyes. I hate to hear that. By God. And Freddie, I think done got took, you know, I feel like a lot of our listeners only know Freddie as like the elder statesman, almost like ambassador for the WWF. Tell us about him as a manager. You know, I, I thought Freddie was a, was a good manager, you know, back in the day of the early years of the WWF in New York, the managers only appeared on television. They didn't go to the live events and they would go to the garden, but they would only walk out with the guys and then go back to the dressing room because they had so much heat. And a lot of times the managers carried most of the heat and Freddie was a classic on the microphone. Uh, the whole pencil neck geek thing, which goes back to Freddie's early days in the business and, you know, Freddie was so far ahead of his time in L.A. as a heel that he also became the ultimate baby face. A fan one time threw battery acid in Freddie's face. Uh, they hated him that much. But Freddie was also the first one to do a lot of crossover in the entertainment world with Regis Philbin when Regis was just a local guy in California and Hollywood. And it was... Freddie was just so far ahead of the curve uh, throughout his entire career, was a classic heel, became a classic baby face. Freddie used to file his teeth, you know, and, and uh, send pictures of him filing his teeth to a point when he would go to Japan. And Freddie was the first gaijin, the first American wrestler to work in Japan as a heel and uh, Ricky Dozan brought him in, you know, after the war. So that was a big deal. 
Freddie's going over there as an American heel after the Americans had bombed Hiroshima. And you, you think about that, and I think a lot of people don't understand the gravity of that and the magnitude of, of doing that for an American in general to be walking the streets of Japan and, and how the Japanese would look at American people. And, and it was, they just looked at me and said, oh my God, your country tried to destroy our country. You know, war is a terrible thing and the devastation. And it was just the way, you know, that it was in many ways. And for Fred Blassie to go over there, bleach blonde hair, you know, dark tan and would cut these just horrible promos in, if you look at them through 2022 eyes. Um, but he was the ultimate, ultimate heel. And years later was the ultimate baby face in Japan. And, you know, uh, his wife, Miyoko from, uh, met her in Japan and, and brought her back to the States and, uh, just, incredible, incredible, classy, classy lady, of course, married to classy Freddie Blassie. Um, but Freddie just treated her like she was the queen and she was, and still is, but, uh, just Fred Blassie, a unique guy and, and having the pleasure of getting to work with Freddie in his later years. And I would go up and just sit with Freddie sometimes for hours on end and just listen, you kind of get Freddie off on a tangent and just get him to tell stories and just a great education and to be able to see the business and to see the world through those eyes of someone that lived it in such a unique capacity as Fred Blassie did that you, you can't in our day and age, people that are, really our age, well, you, your age, uh, more so than me even, uh, don't know what it's like in many ways to, to have that kind of divide in the world and to be able to break down those barriers. And, and Fred Blassie was a guy that did that. This year, it's time to get off the couch and get back into the bedroom. Blue Shoe can help. Guys, we know that confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you're at your best, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And guys, I've heard the ladies say there's nothing sexier than confidence. Well, BlueChew can help give you that confidence you need where it counts. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code WRESTLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is WRESTLE to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. 
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. So Hercules is presented more like just another guy in the company in this era. He's going to win some squashes on TV. He's going to win opening and lower card matches on the house shows, but he doesn't really have a feud going on, but he would defeat the likes of SD Jones, Scott McGee, uh, Jose Rivera, Lanny Poffo, George Wells, even his old former partner, Mr. Wrestling too, over the first few months. And in most cases he wins with his finisher, which is the dreaded overhead backbreaker submission. Uh, is Hercules maybe the perfect person to challenge Hulk Hogan just physique wise in this era? Do you think? I think so. You know, I think you could have put hell. You could have put Clint from Hershey in the ring with Hulk Hogan and probably would have drawn. Well, I, I don't know if that's exactly true, Bruce, because in Hershey, Pennsylvania, I think that the biggest heel at the time was probably, well, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and they didn't wait to put Randy in the ring with Hulk Hogan until much later in time. So I'm not sure if I could have been able to do it at that time, maybe after that, because I'm a pretty good heel. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that Herc would have been a, a great opponent for Hogan. Not as good as me. Anyway, Flint from Hershey makes a return. How is Clint from Hershey? Uh, he's good, I guess. Okay. Oh, y'all, y'all are estranged again. I no. can tell by that answer. You're estranged. No, he is strange. That's the deal. I know he's strange. We, uh, we had a uh, waffle house together for breakfast one day this week. Uh, so that was nice, but yeah, he's still strange. Well, of course it is. It's waffle house. Uh, Hercules loses to Ricky steamboat at WrestleMania two on April 7th in Los Angeles. It's a decent match. And then a few days after mania, he's flown straight to Australia for a four day tour and then straight to Kuwait city where he's peened clean by Gama Singh, who I have no idea who that is. Uh, and even pinned SD Jones on well, some of the shows there. You don't know who Gama Singh is. Nope. Gama Singh was, uh, from India. Okay. I could have guessed that part. Okay. But he was the biggest star in that region for much of the seventies and eighties and was their Hulk Hogan started, started wrestling in, uh, 1973 and his nephew is gender Mahal. Yeah. I'm just saying, I thought you were going to fill in the gap. Sorry. Don't get hot. I, Conrad. So- I look. I look at you for filling in the gap. That's what I look at. <laughs> I tell stories. You fill in the gap. I, you know, come on, man. It's like when I stop talking, that, that's your cue to kind of help me here. And- I'll be honest. Uh, I, I think a lot of gender, I've got the opportunity to meet him and great guy, listener to the show, but I had no idea. He was like second generation like this. How about second that? generation and one of the greatest of all? I mean, really, Gama Singh was, um, Huge, huge in Asia, probably ahead of his time, just based on technology and distribution and all that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's what I wanted to say. April 7th, WrestleMania two, Ricky steamboat, LA. 
couple days after mania straight to Australia, four day tour straight to Kuwait city. And then four nineteen back here wrestling in the U S buddy. They're all over the place. Are they not Conrad that, you know, I had this conversation, uh, the other day with somebody and the, the travel and the schedule back then, just in general, in the business, whether you were in a territory and then later on with WWE, when they were going global and wrestling all over the world, it wasn't, you have a match and then you take, you know, three weeks off or whatever, or you have a match and take four days off and what have you. And, and actually somebody said to me, he goes, so what was it then? You, you worked, you worked a week on and a week off. And, and how did I said, a week on and a week off? No, you just worked. Yes. Every once in a while you might get a day off, but you just worked because if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. And that the schedule was grueling at the same time, it was all that everybody knew when you were in the territories and good Lord in mid South, you'd do, you know, four or 500 miles in one way to a town. And that was just life on the road. And you didn't know anything else. You just, you just went and did it. So looking at that, that's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He was just working. Didn't matter whether it was, in New Delhi or in Brisbane or Atlanta, he was just working. Uh, by the time you get there a year later, these international tours of Australia and the middle East had stopped completely, uh, with Europe for a few years being the only foreign destination outside of the U S and Canada. Do you know the reason behind stopping touring in these countries for so long? I think a lot of it had to do with kind of wrangling the television distribution, the syndication of the television show early on in particularly early eighties, late seventies was you would sell a lot of times you would sell your tapes or you would put together something and someone would distribute them. But then they would go and syndicate your programming. World-class championship wrestling was one of the first territories that was really able to reap the rewards of syndication internationally. And they, they were able to sell it and kind of control it. But there were so many people that internationally would sell, would tape your shows and then go sell them to a television station and you would never know. So as the company grew and more people, more promoters from whether it be India, Australia, Saudi, Europe, they go, Hey, yeah, man, we're watching your show. Really? We'd like, you know, we'd like to bring your tour over, Well, how are you watching our show? Mm. Oh, we, we see it over here on such and such a channel. And you look and find out that, well, somebody has been selling your show without authorization. Damn it. So that was, it was the wild, wild West back in the day. And, you pull all of that back and you get control of your syndication to where you're the one that is placing the television internationally and you know what you have so that you can promote it properly and reap the rewards. But in the day, someone else was selling your show and then they would want to come in and capitalize 
on your television and your stars by having a live event. Sometimes you'd get your money. Sometimes you wouldn't. So it was, it was just a lot different. It was a lot different way of doing business back in the day. Well, yeah, because people were stealing bootlegging baby. Yeah. Like they would have, you know, like they, they would have you come in, you would do your show and Hey, I'm going to pay you afterwards. And then the promoter's gone and you're in a, you're in another land and you know, maybe your tickets home are good. Maybe they aren't, but you're not going to be able to find this promoter with your money. So through 1986, Herc is occasionally matched up on the house shows with even more competition. Uh, the likes of Tony Atlas, George Steele, Pedro Morales, the killer bees of singles, and even against the old SD Jones and Scott McGee's and such over six months in, he's still basically doing a whole lot of nothing. Is this the era where, you know, you just didn't have to have super competitive matches on TV. So let's just save it, pal. No, you didn't. You paid to see them. You paid to see those competitive matches. So you, you paid to see the top stars in live events. And that was the formula. Then the television show was to spotlight your superstars and to get them exposure. But if you wanted to see them compete, you know, against other top stars, that was what live events were for. Television product was completely different. So as you're listening to this tomorrow, I'm headed out of town with my family. It's spring break here in Alabama and I am pumped. I'm ready for a break. I'm ready for some rest and relaxation, but oh yeah, I got to pack one extra bag this time. You see last spring break, I didn't know anything about chili sleep, but I do this year and I'm fired up, buddy. This has been an absolute game changer in my life. I actually travel with a chili sleep now. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. What is that real? Yes. I've got one on my bed right now. Uh, it's cold on my side, a little warmer on Megan's side because she can control her temperature on her side too. Now me, I have to travel with it. I don't want to go down there and be in like a dream vacation and I'm on the beach and it's awesome, but I'm tossing and turning and not comfortable. No, no. I want to get the best sleep of my life. And to do that, I need chili sleep. You see, science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. And I got to be honest, I've known that for years. I would crank down the AC to make sure that it was cold in my house when I went to bed. Eric Bischoff visited a few years ago and said it was so cold you could hang meat in here at night. But I knew I slept better when it was cold. Well, it turns out I was right. Temperature controlled sleep repairs your muscles after a hard day's work, and it improves your cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And hey, man, let's just be straight. I'm not a bodybuilder. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to be productive during the day. I want to be at my best during the day. I want to go win the day. And if you're a salesperson or maybe you're not, but you just know that your performance matters during the day, buddy, chili sleep is for you. Chili sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions. They can help you improve your entire well-being, And I really mean that I feel better than ever right now. And I give 100% of the credit to that, to chili sleep. You see, Chili Sleep makes the Uller, that's what I have, and the Cube Sleep System. Either way, we're talking hydro power, temperature controlled mattress toppers. These dudes fit over your existing mattress, and that gives you your ideal sleep temperature. Like I said earlier, I like mine a little cooler than my wife, so she doesn't have to freeze to death. I don't have to crank down the AC. See, that's what I was doing before. Now, when I crank down the AC, man, my closets are cold, my kitchen's cold, my laundry room's cold, my dining room's cold. I don't need any of that. I need my bed to be cold 
And now it is, but Megan, she wants it a little warmer on her side. I get that. So she adjusts her side. How about that? These luxury mattress pads, keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. But check this out. You get an app on your phone that you download, you sync it up to your unit, and it works like a remote control. I'm not kidding. I can actually raise or lower the temperature on demand whenever I want. I can even automate it to where it starts getting cool at a certain type at night, certain time at night, and then it warms me up to wake me up. You can set a schedule like that. You can just set it and forget it. Here's my question for you. Can you imagine waking up and not feeling tired? Chili sleep can make that happen. And by the way, they also make the chili blanket. It's the only weighted blanket that can be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Guys, I believe in this so well that I bought another one and I'm carrying it with me on vacation. I, it's almost like a, a credit card back in the day. I won't leave home without it. Well, I won't travel without it. Seriously. We went to the woods for the Super Bowl. I took chili sleep. Now we're headed for spring break. I'm taking chili sleep. If I'm sleeping there, I'm using chili sleep. I just feel better. I feel more productive and I've tried it without it, man. I don't want to go back. I was miserable the next day. I felt like I had like that late two afternoon uh, after lunch crash. I never feel that way when I have chili sleep and you know what else I'm dreaming like vivid, colorful dreams. And buddy, if it sounds like I'm selling this hard, you should try being my friends. I've got my parents. This Casio kids using it. Our gimmick attorneys using it. Scott, our hotel guys using it. Everyone I know hears me talk ad nauseum about chili sleep because I believe in it and I believe that you'll love it. So head on over to chilisleep.com forward slash Russell to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. Now this is available exclusively for something to wrestle with listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash wrestle to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that chili sleep's been a long time advertiser, but I want to mention this is important. This is the best offer they've ever had 30% off right now. Just go look at it. It costs nothing to look, but I had everybody in my life. Take a look and 100% of them absolutely love it. You will too. Chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. I'm more productive. I feel better. And it's all thanks to chili sleep. Go hook it up right now. Chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. So, um, in the summer of 86, Blassie announces he sold one half of the contracts for Herc, Iron Sheik, and Nikolai Volkov to the now debuting Slick. And they actually co manage all three for a few months. This is really just to, I guess, as the phrase goes, give the rub to Slick, right? Absolutely. To be able to co manage with Freddie Blassie. I'm sure Freddie probably cheated him on the contracts and probably. Charging full price for only 50%. It was kind of like, you know, negotiating in the shark tank. I got you. Um, we're doing this because we know Blassie's going to come off the road, right? Freddie was ready to retire and Freddie was ready to, you know, he couldn't make those trips the way that he used to. Right. It was, it was time for Freddie to be able to do what he did best at that point in time, which was community work and stay home and be Freddie. So Herc is given a bit of a push here. He's even got some title matches against Hulk Hogan and the parade of heels with Hulk is really important. 
I mean, in this day, and we've talked about this a lot, a lot of different territories back in the day had a heel champion and baby faces chase chasing Vince always preferred a baby face champion or even his father, I guess a baby face champion. And then you need like a heel factory to feed that guy. Now Hulk Hogan. Well, Herc checks the box there. Does he know it? Sure. He does. And you know, it was just a parade. It didn't, you know, as I said, it really didn't matter. Uh, in many respects, as long as you had Hulk Hogan's name on the marquee, Clint from Hershey could draw a house, even in Poughkeepsie. Oh my goodness. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes starts in the WWF that summer and is regularly paired off against Herc on the house shows with them trading wins or even going to draws, including Haynes getting the big win at the big C and E stadium show in Toronto on August 28th. Uh, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Billy Jack Haynes here. You got any good Haynes stories you could share with us? Hmm. You know, not really. I wasn't, I wasn't around, uh, Billy Jack all that much. You know, he, he came through, uh, a few times in either mid South or just through Dallas and, and came to us. And I worked with him a little bit in WWE, but just wasn't around him a whole lot. Well, the rumor in innuendo is that, uh, Billy Jack may have been a little crazy. And if you're looking to make somebody crazy in your life, let me recommend blue chew. It's time to dig yourself out of that winter hibernation. It's time to get recognized that spring is here. So let's get sprung with blue chew. You know, the deal. This episode is sponsored by blue chew. We're coming to you live from the blue chew studios and, and fellas confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And that's where blue chew comes in. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity, um, <clears throat> arises. Now the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, well, it's all done online. So there's no visits to the doctor's office. There's no awkward conversations and there's no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, the old red, white, and blue chew. And it's prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package, but there won't be anything discreet about your package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, blue chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew free. When you use our promo code wrestle. At checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is wrestle to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank bluechew for sponsoring the podcast and Bruce's big old donkey dick. Uh, so Blassie quietly disappears from TV in the fall and uh, slick now sl uh, solely manages all three guys. Uh, in November, slick is going to sell the contract of Hercules to Bobby Heenan. And they're going to do a pretty hilarious segment here, Bruce with Heenan collecting the money from slick at the bank. The second name Hernandez is dropped. And from now on, he's simply Hercules with a new look. He got a haircut and he trimmed his beard. Uh, it, it's a pretty fun moment that we should, we should probably relive here. This segment with Bobby Heenan. Let's take a listen. Oh, I'm 
my favorite color green. Probably hey, where is my money? Your money's up. Oh, wait, wait. Before I give you your money, why don't you accept my personal check? Hey, wait, whoa, whoa. I told you, brother, I don't deal in nothing but cash. Well, if I'm paying cash for Hercules, it's well worth it. Hey, Dr. Hercules Hernandez is the greatest commodity in professional wrestling. I wouldn't even be selling to you if it wasn't for all this money. Well, you're going to get your money. Which I'm Hello. waiting on. I'd like my withdrawal, please. Yes, Mr. Heenan. Right oh, 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 brother. Well, what's the problem, baby? Since you're getting all this cash, I like the contract of Hercules. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, you know the slicks to take care of business. There you go, dude. Well, so does the brain. One moment, please. Okay, there's your cash, Slick. By the way, how are you getting it home? How are you getting it home? Oh, 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 that's cool, baby. That's cool. Hang loose, hang loose. There you go. Always prepared, huh? Yeah, you know that. Well, you want to let's rake it in here. Say, <laughs> hey, man, let me drop my money on the floor. Don't worry about it. It's all clean. You can't get money dirty. You should know that. Hey, this is the way I love to go shopping. Where's you doing business? Hey, you know, Daddy. Adios, brother. Take care. You got it. Dude, how great is that segment? Two of our favorites at the bank, a whole bunch of cash. Come on. That was actual bank footage. (laughs) It didn't look like security cam footage. It was security cam footage, Conrad. And it was moving with them, huh? Yes, it was. Okay. That's what they do when there are big transactions like that. The cameras know how to follow big transactions. I've never followed. There's a chip in them. It's, it's called, it's called new wave technology in the metaverse. Oh, stick that up your ass. Uh, when paired with Heenan, Herc did a, Herc did get a push at first. He went up against Hogan on Saturday night's main event on November 15th. That's got 16,000 folks here for a sellout crowd in LA. And it's a pretty well, memorable. I could have done that as Bruce said earlier. I mean, they could have put Clint from Hershey on there. I would have sold out whether it was Saturday night's made of that, Sunday night made of that, or even Tuesday night made of that. Is this one of the high watermarks, do you think? I mean, Saturday night's main event, you're on broadcast TV against Hulk Hogan, 16,000 fans in LA. This has got to be a top five moment for Herc's career. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, it was a big deal just to. To be on Saturday night's main event, it was coveted spot, if you will, to be on network television in that late night time slot and business was hot. The, uh, the finish is where Herc has Hogan up in the overhead backbreaker, but he prematurely releases the hold thinking he'd won kind of a big deal to show Hulk vulnerable like that. And you know, it feels like he's in line for big things here. Early 87. He finally gets a real feud and that's with Billy Jack Haynes and they call it the battle of the full Nelsons as they had Herc start to use that move as his finisher, which Haynes was already using. So during this Herc is given a big win on Saturday night's main event, February 21st, 1987, where he emerges victorious in a 20 man battle Royal that also had big time names like Hulk Hogan and Andre, the giant, he last eliminated Billy Jack. And of course you come into the company a little later here in 87, but man, it feels like there's some momentum here. I mean, going up against Hogan on Saturday night's main event, now back winning a battle Royal on Saturday night's main event with other huge stars like Hogan and Andre, it feels like he's a prime opponent for Hogan in this era. Well, he was working with Hogan in some live events here and there, but it just, at the same time, you're trying to establish him with Bobby and it's all kind of new. So you want to establish him with Bobby first before you really can dig in, if you will, into that. And 
I also think, you know, part of it is that kind of like Herc's whole career, you know, is that charisma and that just connection, a little bit of that was missing for whatever reason. So we head into WrestleMania three, Herc and Haynes are still wrestling on all the house shows, getting ready for WrestleMania three. Herc's getting a bunch of matches against Hulk Hogan, including St. Paul, Minnesota, the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, Omaha, and even the first ever WWF show in Las Vegas on March 21st. It's a big time crowd too. 14,434 people. Uh, he and Heenan lose to Hogan in a handicap match in Birmingham, Alabama on March 6th. There's 12,000 fans here. If I had to guess working with Hogan and some of these big crowds in these big towns, probably the biggest paychecks he'd gotten up to that point. Wouldn't you agree? I would think so. I sure as hell would hope so. By God, that's what you all look forward to. Herc and Billy Jack go to a double count out at WrestleMania three and Herc busts him open with the chain after the match leading to Herc and Haynes headlining the C shows. That's right. C shows on the heels of WrestleMania three. The company is running three towns a night. So there's the a show with Hulk Hogan, the B show with maybe the intercontinental. And now the C show here is Herc and Billy Jack on top. Um, normally those matches end with the heel Hercules winning every night. And Bruce, this is right around the time where you start with the WWF. Do you remember these matches or, and was it strange to have a heel win the main event like this? I thought the old rule was send them home happy. Well, it probably wasn't on in the last spot. So the match that ended the night probably did send them home happy. And this was something that probably took place mid midway through the show and, uh, had something else that did leave them happy at the end of the night. So not, not unusual at all. Uh, so your first night, uh, in the, uh, WWF is a superstars taping in Worcester on April 23rd. Do I have that right? Worcester or Wooster. That's one of those. Well, you know, I mean, actually one of our great listeners gave me a shirt I was wearing it the other day, and it's actually one of my favorite shirts. And it was entering Wooster and it's spelled W-O-O-O-O-O-S-T-E-R, which is not the correct way that they spell Worcester because they spell it up here like it says Worcester, but it's pronounced Worcester. But I thought it was Wooster. Okay, that was no. a diatribe that made absolutely no fucking connection to anything whatsoever. No, but I appreciate it. Cause I know you thank took you. the five hour energy just for us and you're really doing some heavy lifting over there. So thank you. You bet. Uh, so you're welcome. So Hercules and the returning Ken Pantera have a match that was so fucking bad. They had to redo it the following night in new Haven, Connecticut. So this was a superstars taping in Worcester, but it's so shit. They have to redo it at the challenge tapings in new Haven, Connecticut and insert the match on the superstar show. And this, I, I believe was your first night. Do you remember this, this duo so match. Says it was bad. Well, they made them do it again. Okay. But not because it was bad. Okay. Let me have fun. Can I do that every now and again? Can but I, I, well, I bet you're saying it was bad. It wasn't bad. It okay. Was so they did it again just because for fuck all I got it. Huh? They did it again for fuck all. I got it. No, that's not why they did it again. Why did they do it again? I'm asking. I'm going to tell you. Please do. Okay. It was Ken's first time back. Okay. So Ken had left the company and Ken had worked the majority of his career as a heel. Right. So now Ken's coming back as a baby face. 
Ken in his first match and first time back in the company and trying to portray him and put him in a babyface role, Ken went out and worked like a heel. Wasn't what they were looking for. So it's like, okay, let's try it again. And here's what we're going to tweak. And the tweak was how Ken worked and not working as a heel himself against the heel Hercules. Just needed to basically, Kenny, you got to go back to being a babyface, which was a hard transition for Ken when he first came back. And Ken's naturally a heel. You don't got to get hot about it. I'm, I'm, I'm about three quarters. Oh, damn it. If you, if you don't get, get me all the way, if you get four fifths, we're in trouble. Yeah. You wait until I'm nine eights. Oh shit. Oh boy. Yeah, that's right. Daddy. Hercules gets a prominent role on the next Saturday night's main event. This one's in South Bend, Indiana, April 28th. He's going to lose by DQ to the new intercontinental champion, Ricky, the dragon steamboat in his first televised defense. Is Herc thought of as, as someone to give a big push to when you're first stepping foot in the door in your first few weeks, or, I mean, what was your first read on his, his lot in the company? I, I don't know that I necessarily really had one. It was, it was a different presentation and you had to look at, I, I was learning a lot about WWE at that point and seeing how they were do, doing business and what the end goal really was. Um, and it was different in so many respects from what I had grown up on. And you have to try, you have to try new things on and looking at it from that point of view, it's okay. Um, they build guys and they build, they build stars and then people pay to see the stars. That was the business model at the time. So, it wasn't, it wasn't so much, oh, my God, you've got to see. You, you had your issues with Hogan. You had your issues. People had issues, but they weren't these major programs that I was used to, that you know, every single week you do something new and you, you freshen it up every week and that it's added on to. It's like, no, you had issues with guys that you're reminded about each week, but it wasn't. It wasn't a heavy angle oriented place. Psst. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. So over the summer of 87, Hercules house show feud moves on to Ken Patera. They're scheduled to main event, several old fashioned whipping matches after an angle on TV where the Heenan family whipped Patera with a leather belt. This is old Southern stuff right here. Is it not? Absolutely. Country whipping matches. They, 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 you get, you get a damn leather strap on, on your wrist. It's tied to your wrist and beat the hell out of each other. If you lose by God, then that, by he's going to get his hands on that weasel Bobby Heenan whooping with a strap. 
So back in the old days, if you misbehaved, your daddy would have taken you out back. He'd cut had you had you cut the switch for him, and then he would have tanned your hide with it. You ever cut a switch? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Not enough. Oh, you I'll think tell I, you that right now. I needed some more weapons. You need some more weapons. So the stipulation is that Heenan is going to be handcuffed to someone like Bruno or superstar or the crusher. And if Patera wins, he gets to whip Heenan 10 times with the belt or vice versa. But Patera winds up going down with injury. So the matches change to where Patera is handcuffed to Heenan on the outside and whomever is in the role originally handcuffed to him is now wrestling Hercules in the ring. So Mr. T is the guest referee and enforcer for some of these matches just a ton of gimmicks here. Is this where you're just trying to, Hey, what can we come up with? That's a cool draw for a house show event. It will, you know, it was looking at a lot of different things and the, the opportunity came up. They were using Mr. T and trying to utilize him for different roles. And it was just a short little run with Mr. T is, is referee. That was, he did a macho man, honky tonk man as referee match in Houston and, you know, big deal. Oh my God, Mr. T coming and, and so on and so forth. And it was a wrestling territory in Houston. All right. We did wrestling. And when Mr. T was coming, the requests that were made upon the office coming from where I came from were, were silly. It, it was, it was crazy. Give me an example. Uh, well, you, you had to, he had to have his own private dressing room, okay. which was like, we have a dressing room, <laughs> you know, it's, we, everybody dresses in, in the one dressing room. Um, he had to have, uh, a hotel with windows that opened. He had to have the rooms next to him. Wait, the windows opened because we assumed puff, puff, pass. Like fresh air. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, someone had to meet him. Uh, at the airport to carry his bags and and handle him, even though he had his own handlers that traveled with him. But it, it was a lot of Hollywood stuff that you really didn't, I, that I wasn't accustomed to, that we had never experienced before. So to us, it was kind of silly. And then as you get into it, you realize, hey, man, we're in a completely different business up here. Then you you start to acquaint yourself with the needs of folks that are in different line of business than us. But just based on your history and not necessarily saying he was doing anything wrong, just based on your history, I take it. T wasn't your favorite to deal with here in 87. Actually, no, man. He was, he was pretty easy to deal with. Um, just get him a window that opens people more than anything. Oh, I see. His people were trying to prove their worth to him and make everything easy. Probably so, um, because my dealings with with T were were pretty easy. I mean, he was he was fine. Tell me what you want me to do, and you know, let's go do it. And the folks around him like to insulate him, but once you got directly to Mister T, man, he was he wasn't that bad at all. You know, I dealt with a lot worse than Mr. T and, and Mr. T was at least with me, very friendly in every encounter and couldn't have been more accommodating. So you, that's one of those that you, 
a lot of times people will prejudge someone before they ever meet them because of things that you've heard, rumor and innuendo and all that bullshit. But yeah, T was, T was absolutely fine with me. So Herc's going to face Bruno in one of Bruno's last matches, uh, at the Paul Bosch retirement show in Houston on August 28th. You're actually going to do commentary on that with Mike McGurk and Pete Doherty. Are you excited to, to be calling one of la- one of Bruno's last matches or was that not even something that was on your radar at the time? Uh, that's probably going to get a lot of heat with a lot of people, but then again, that's what I'm good at. I was never a Bruno fan. And the reason I say that is I had always heard about Bruno San Martino and all of the magazines portrayed Bruno as the greatest thing since sliced bread. I had never seen Bruno work until Bruno came and did a show with us in Houston in the summit, which was a big deal to go from the Sam Houston Coliseum to the brand new building, the new air conditioned summit. And Bruno worked with superstar Billy Graham. It was the most boring, non-action, nothing happening, blah match that I'd ever seen at the time. And I'd seen some pretty horrible blah matches. And all Bruno did was strongman stuff and punch and kick. There wasn't a whole lot to Bruno. And his promos, at least for... You know, Texas, we didn't get, you know, there was no hot issue or angle. It was just the appearance of Bruno San Martino, you know, New York's own Bruno San Martino, longest reigning WWF champion in history and all these things. Um, so to me, Bruno was like, okay, yeah, he was big in the Northeast, but I don't know that he ever drew anywhere else outside of the Northeast. I don't know that Bruno went anywhere else. You know, he did L.A., he did Detroit, he did St. Louis, um, some of those places, and did one-offs. Obviously went to Japan. But here's the thing. Bruno didn't need to go anywhere else. Right. Bruno was a big enough draw in the Northeast. Bruno could call his shots. So, you know, more power to him. I just, for me, it wasn't – it was almost – laborious to do a Bruno match because I just, there was not a lot of action and you had to really put Bruno over, uh, overall, man. Yeah. I guess it's a thrill to be able to call a Bruno San Martino match and say that I got to do that. But as a fan, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of Bruno copy. So the first survivor series happens in Richfield, Ohio. It's on November 26th. Hercules is in the opening match. With Honky Tonk Man, Harley Race, Ron Bass, and Danny Davis. They're going to lose to Jim Duggan, Brutus Beefcake, and the survivors of the match, who are Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. And you said at the end of the show last week, you'd tell us a story about how to get heat at the airport in Boston. And you said it involved Hercules. Please tell us more. So back in the olden days, they would have at the airports, uh, you'd have a taxi stand, all right, where you would get in line and you would wait for a taxi and, or, you know, buses and and different things. This was, you know, long before the giant airports and things, you know, as they are now in the modern facilities that 
people have become a use, used to. But when you were waiting in these taxi lines, Bobby Heenan told me this story. So Bobby's traveling with Herc, and they're waiting in the taxi line. And in the taxi line, they have these heaters, okay, that would blow hot air on you to keep you warm in the winter months. And there was a sign there, and it says, press button for heat. You would push the button, and it would turn on these warm air blowers. And Herc says to Bobby, he goes, oh, hey, Bobby. He goes, so if I press this button, is somebody going to come out and trip me and pass me the knucks? Push for heat. Okay, I like that story. I thought that was a damn good story, and that was damn funny. <laughs> that was almost as good as the Yellow Dick Toad last week that, you know, I've got to tell on the show. But, um, yeah. What's wrong with you? And Bobby, I'm going to press this, and somebody's going <laughs> to me past me the knocks because it's getting heat at the Boston Airport. He's going to be on the about, hey, I'm going to go to Boston. I know how to get heat in Boston. You just push a button. Something's wrong with you. There's a lot wrong with you. <laughs> but that's how you got heat back in the old days. Well, we Push still love we still love you either way. Uh so talk to me a little bit about uh 1988. They're gonna start a program with Hercules Hernandez and the Ultimate Warrior. They have a tug of war over Herc's chain during a scheduled match, and Warrior breaks the chain, and then Herc attacks him with it. And this leads to a, well, not so exciting match at WrestleMania four on March 27th. And then months of horrible house show matches into the summer of 88. Any memories of these train wrecks? I can't say it's all. Why are you calling them train wrecks and horrible matches? Okay. Uh, so they were good. My apologies to all the warrior no, they fans. Were, they were horrible, man. They, they <laughs> was, it was God awful. Um, <laughs> it was a complete clash and kind of, um, the drizzling shits. It was not good by any stretch of the imagination. And Herc, try as he, you know, really wanted to, you know, Warrior was not a great worker and didn't really, wasn't able to change his style to work with other people. And it was two big, strong guys going up against each other with not a whole lot of action, doing strong man stuff that was clumsy and didn't come off very well. So yeah, they were horrible. SummerSlam 88, Madison Square Garden. We see Hercules pinned by Jake Roberts. And then we have a big change coming in the fall of 88. DiBiase is going to announce that he's bought the services of Hercules from Bobby Heenan. And now Hercules is going to be his own personal slave. Herc, of course, rejects this and now turns babyface as he's attacked by DiBiase, Virgil and Heenan. Uh, this is, uh, some pretty good stuff here. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to DiBiase do his thing. What am I talking about? Read my lips. I didn't stutter. I bought my own slave. Your own slave. Just who might this slave be? Well, Hercules. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute, gentlemen. What, about about what the hell is trust he talking me, about? Trust man? me, don't worry about what? it. Remember. <laughs> Hey, Sarah, Sarah, whatever oh, will be, will oh, be. Hurt. supposed to go down, Bobby. The party's no. over. No. Wait a minute, Bobby. The party's over. The party's over. The new 
position you have right now is something, buddy, something that you've earned. No! Gentlemen, please! Oh, oh please! What are you now, Hercules, learn your position! Take your first lesson of being the slave of the Million Dollar Man. You don't talk, you don't walk, you don't speak, you don't put your hands on anybody unless I give you permission to. Do you understand that, slave? Do you understand? What is that? Oh, come on! DiBiase, Henry Orr, on his so-called slave. Can't believe Hurts got it in him. Virgil goes strong, and that leaves only two on the platform. Hercules does not want to be a slave. DiBiase, Virgil, running for cover as Hercules has declared himself. You know, I think that's the, really the first bad I've seen the million dollar man make. What a great segment that was. And what a cool way to turn him baby face, huh? Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it only made sense. So to get over further, uh, Herc is this new baby face character that had him appear on the brother love show. And he's going to be endorsed by the then WWF champion, Randy Savage and his, uh, lovely companion, Miss Elizabeth. And they chase you off the set. Did you see potential in Herc to be the top baby face? I mean, you got him rubbing shoulders with the world champion. I mean, besides Hogan. I no, but I thought Herc would, would be a good baby face. Would, would, at least I was hoping, unfortunately you, you still had the issue of Herc being able to cut promos and carry that part of the equation off. So, um, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying to help him, trying to teach him as best we can. Let's take a listen. Now, my guest this week is a man who knows no gratitude. Ooh, boy. Therefore, he has no love. Seems simple to me.
going to do without having Bobby Heenan riding on the But I served Bobby Heenan because I wanted to. I served him because I trusted him. And how did he repay me? By selling me out. Selling me out to the likes of a man like Ted DiBiase. <laughs> and all through the ages and all through history, the mighty Hercules has stood alone. These chains I wear around my neck, man, they stand for my courage. They stand for my strength. I have my pride and I have my dignity and no amount of money. Ted DiBiase can take away my pride. No amount of money can take away my dignity.
So I love so much about that. First of all, it's good to see you doing your thing back in the day, but zillions of people. And ever since I was a macho baby, macho baby is a great line, bro. Well, yeah, that's what I do. Well, he said it, but yeah, I'll give you credit for it. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so the, the uh, they're going to go ahead and book Hercules teaming with Hogan to take on DiBiase and Virgil. And that's actually going to headline at the Greensboro Coliseum here. But only 2000 people show up. Greensboro, Greensboro, of course, is the spiritual home of Starcade. It is definitely Jim Crockett promotions territory. But it is what I guess we might hope is an emerging market for the WWF. But my goodness, man, Hogan and DiBiase on top, only 2,000 people there, got to be disappointing. Well, we originally uh, advertised Clint from Hershey there. And that's why the house kind of dropped a little bit. Yeah, Greensboro's never been a very good market. Well, not, not for WWE, but it was good for other folks at one point. For other folks, yeah. So Herc's going to feud with DiBiase on the house shows for the next few months and even get in the main event of Survivor Series. Here teaming with Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Hillbilly Jim, and Coco Beware to take on the boss man, Akeem, DiBiase, Haku, and of course the red fucking rooster. Pretty big deal. Main eventing a pay-per-view alongside Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. But the rest of that cast of characters, Hercules, Hillbilly, and Coco, well. It's a Hall, it's a hall of Fame no doubt, right no doubt about it. Absolutely. Eventually the DiBiase feud runs its course. DiBiase is going to win on the live primetime main event special in February of 89 from Milwaukee and Hex Herc's next year as a baby face is kind of flat. He didn't really have any feuds, but always has a presence on TV and the pay-per-views He's going to wind up wrestling Dino Bravo a lot on the house show uh, circuit. But they're having really long matches, which I wouldn't have predicted. But in my research, I found a lot of these matches again, between Dino Bravo and Hercules go more than 15 minutes. Is that a rib? Somebody lose a bet. What's the deal there? Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just apologize in advance. I just apologize. Now I get over with. Yeah. So Herc's going to defeat King Haku at WrestleMania five, Greg Valentine at SummerSlam 89. He's got spots in the survivor series and in the rumble. So he's always in the mix and always getting a pay-per-view payoff. But speaking of payoffs somewhere in here is probably around the time where you've told us a story before about the time he went to meet with the office and talk a little bit about his finances and circumstances. Can you, uh, refresh our memory on that one? Well, Herc was just ha- having a, a hard time managing, uh, funds, if you will. Yeah. And came in to speak with our chief financial officer. I, I don't think they called him CFO. Uh, I just called him head accountant at the time, Doug Sages. Right. And, um, Doug says, all right, well, um, first of all, you got any credit cards? Herc was like, yeah. And he says, all right, let me see him. And Herc took out his uh, credit cards and put them on the table for Doug. And Doug took out a pair of scissors and cut up all his credit cards. <laughs> and Herc's like, what are you doing? And he said, goes, well, first thing you got to do is you got to stop using these and you can't afford it and pay cash for it. And you don't get it. And, uh, from that point on, Herc would tell that story and christened Doug as chainsaw 
sages because he <laughs> cut up all of his credit cards. And so Doug would forever be known as a chainsaw. And I actually ran into Doug's son at a, a restaurant up in Monroe, Connecticut, not long ago. And he was waiting on us and, and introduced himself and says, he goes, yeah, he goes, I know who you are. He goes, you used to work with my dad. And, uh, it's like, who are I'm looking at him and he, he has resembles Doug quite a bit. And I, when he told me, I was like, Oh my God, chainsaw and laughed all this stuff. So chainsaw lives on chainsaw lives on. Um, so we mentioned he's always in the mix here, but it doesn't feel like he has anything of substance. And it's been said a lot back in this day that Vince really spent a lot of time on the main event and everything on the undercard was just sort of there. What more could have been done with Hercules as a face? I mean, I'm guessing there maybe were some higher expectations in the office. Is it that he didn't connect well enough with the audience? He didn't get over oh. enough. Was he just better as a heel? What say you? I just don't think that he connected with the audience all that well and, and didn't have the gift of gab, um, which as a top baby face, you've got to be able to connect with the audience. And again, it was a different business back then. You can't compare the business in, in the uh, 80s to the business today. It's a completely different business and was a completely different uh, business plan back in the 80s and that you just needed to create stars. And it wasn't with the exception of the top matches. It wasn't about the issues and the angles and things like that. He's also changed into the dreaded baby face blue tights. And, uh, they used him to put over earthquake at WrestleMania six. That's probably his last important gig as a baby. Also face. tried to get him to get a tan too, which was damn near impossible. Oh, talk me through that. Oh, just hurt. You ever like get out in the sun <laughs> and he's like, nah, you know? And so they tried to get him to to get in tanning bed and just, just get some sun and, and, uh, not be as pale. And he tried it, got burnt pretty good. <laughs> he was like, uh, quickly, quickly gave up the, the tanning process. Wasn't fond of it. You know, like some of us used to worship that damn tanning bed. Now this is before you could just do the self tanner gimmick, right? Well, they had self tanner, but self tanner is orange. Yeah. So in mid 1990, uh, Herc's put together with Paul Roma originally as a baby face tag team, picking up a couple of wins on TV. And then in the summer, after Roma loses a match to Dino Bravo on TV, Bravo attacks him with Jimmy Hart's megaphone afterwards. The rockers come out for their match, but Roma's being attended to by some of the referees. So when Sean and Marty go over to help Roma takes exception and he pushes Sean down. So Herc then comes out to back up Roma and they wind up attacking the rockers. But eventually Sean and Marty are able to clear them from the ring. But now it's pretty established. We got some heels guys, some heels together here. And the next week on TV, they're given the name power and glory and slick is their manager. Let's take a listen to their formation here. This is fun stuff, man. I love power and glory. One of my guilty pleasures. Wait a minute. Well, animosity maybe between Roma. And the Rockers, I don't know. Look at this. What is going on? Maybe Roma figures it was the Rockers that submarine. No, no, not hardly. How do you know? He's been knocked out. I don't know if he was knocked out or not. Whoa! What is this? What's 
going down here, Jesse? I don't know, but the mighty Hercules coming into Roma's defense here. Hercules is hot, so is Roma. We're supposed to have a match here with the Rockers. Well, first of all, I think the Rockers are at fault here. What businesses are theirs of what happened to Paul Roma? They're going to come into... Whoa! No! Hercules! Oh, no! There's no Hey, do you still hear me? On the outside! Here come the officials! Hurricane Roma wanna get back in the ring! This is an unscheduled match! You know, Roma, we're the best and the baddest tag team in the WWF, but we were missing one little thing. Oh yeah, but not anymore. Come on in, Slickster! This is my pleasure to be associated with these two fine athletes. And believe me, the combination of the Slickster and these two gentlemen is a winning situation. And henceforth, they shall be referred to as power and glory. Man, how great is Slick? Brother. <laughs> I just love Slick, man. And in this case, this is, this is really well done. I mean, a lot of times we've seen a couple of guys get thrown together and it doesn't feel like a real tag team, but every now and again, it works out. For instance, when there was, uh, the road dog, Jesse James, uh, who's the real double J if you will. And then there's rockabilly, Billy Gunn. Well, let's put them together, make them the new age outlaws for some reason. I don't know why it just worked. And it does here again, to, at least to me, power and glory. Uh, obviously they're not going to have nearly the career that the new age outlaws do, but I love the presentation. I love them as a tag team. And I remember very fondly. what do you think of power and glory? I thought it was the best utilization of Herc and Roma. So it gave them, it gave them some new life. They were friends They were workout partners in real life. So, you know, they, they had chemistry with each other because they liked one another. So that always helps as well. And at least give it a shot. And I think it did more for them than continuing on as singles. Do you remember behind the scenes, how this idea came to be? If anybody in particular advocated for it or how the name came about or why slick or any details, I think it was more than anything, Herc and Roma coming up with the idea to, to be partners and not really having anything else for them at the time that it made sense. Okay. Well, let's give it a try. It's not going to hurt. So at SummerSlam 90 in Philadelphia, it's supposed to be power and glory versus the rockers to open the show, but Sean has a legit knee injury. So it becomes essentially a handicap match as Sean is taken out immediately and Herc and Roma win their new, with their new cool looking finisher, the powerplex, which I absolutely love. Hercules is going to hit a superplex and Roma immediately follows in with a top rope splash. And I know FTR really love that combination, but. Man, the first time I saw this back in the day, I was like, well, that's the coolest tag team finisher in 1990. Besides the doomsday device, this is probably the coolest finish, right? I thought it worked for them big time. Absolutely. And, and it was, and it was different as well. So the fact that, you know, you take two faces that have been around for a while, put them together and you give them a new coat of paint or a new paint of coat and you're good to go. Do you know if they came up with this or if one of the eight, I mean, were you involved in yeah, any of no, that stuff? It was, it was those guys coming with the idea to be together. Good for them, man. One of the best I've ever seen.
Uh, once Sean is healthy, the rockers and power and glory matches, uh, get going on the road. And after a few months, uh, I'm curious, what are the internal thoughts on this team? I mean, did, did you guys see money in this? I mean, collectively they had to be worth more than individually at this point to the company, right? I, th- I think they were a good tag team on the card. I don't think anybody, you know, looked at them as, okay, this is the next big thing, but it was a great place, you know, for them. And it was, uh, able to keep them around for a little while longer. Survivor series, 1990, we're in Hartford power and glory, make it to the grand finale match of survival, which is really a big deal, but Hogan's going to no sell and kick out of their finisher, but we know the deal. Hogan must pose, right? Bruce. Goddamn right. So power and glory do eventually get some tag title shots versus the Hart foundation on the road. And I'm, I'm curious, were they ever in the plans to face them at WrestleMania seven or when the nasty boys came in in December of 90, were they thought of as the new hot shit? I'm just wondering if the nasties hadn't have come in would power and glory have been there. You think for WrestleMania? I don't think so. No, you just didn't see them there at that point. No, I got you. So instead they get squashed by the Legion of doom at WrestleMania seven in LA. And they spend most of the summer losing on the house shows, uh, either the LOD or unbelievably the fucking bushwhackers. Uh, is it known by WrestleMania seven that, Hey man, wheels are coming off here. We're winding down. Well, I just think that, you know, it kind of, it had run its course. I I don't think there was a whole lot more there. And and it comes back to, um, having that connection with the audience and, and being able to on their own, you know, carry it beyond what they were. So in the fall of 91, Roma is gone from the WWF. Do you remember how Hercules reacted to, uh, Roma leaving? I mean, is this I wasn't there? I wasn't even there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you got. I wasn't even there. It showed them walking papers. Uh, so so Herc's still on the road as a singles wrestler in the early '92, and more as a, a tweener role, including a pretty famous match for Madison Square Garden, where he wrestles Sid Justice. Herc gets up immediately after being pinned by Sid's power bomb, and I know you weren't there, but when something like this goes down. Is, is there usually some sort of an uproar in the back? I mean, I, I know we've heard a lot about unprofessionalism and killing the business and all of that with regards to Madison square garden and activity that happened in the ring, but that does feel like a big no, no, just pop right back up. Yeah. I actually never saw it, never heard of it. So I really don't know. Well, his final match of the company is the next fucking day. He lost to the berserker in Worcester. And, um, it feels like he just knew he was done and didn't really care. And honestly, he probably didn't look like the Hercules of old. And maybe that's because this is the height of the steroid scandal. Well, in the spring of 92, he shows up in WCW under a mask as the super invader. Harley race is going to be his manager. He's supposed to be an Asian assassin type character, but he only lasts a few months. Uh, I know you weren't there, but did you see this in WCW? Because it feels like a really random use of Hercules. Yeah, actually, no. And you know, as you're talking about it now, no, never, never saw it. And, uh, now you're going to make me have to go look it up. So he goes to new Japan for a while in 93. He teams with your old pal, Scott Norton as the Jurassic powers. Uh, and he also worked in the ill-fated AWF from 94 to 95. And he's really just working independent shows here and there until Oh two. Uh, he's also working a real job, of course, selling cars. I think he's a bouncer. He was a, a meat delivery truck driver. 
you know, just became a normal human. If you will, he's no longer a traveling rock star. And, and in, uh, November of 94, uh, the observer would have this to say lots of talk about Hercules coming in as a Cuban gang member from razor Ramon's past feud with him. Was this all rumored in innuendo? Or do you remember this ever actually being discussed? Uh, never being discussed. Okay. That would be one of those things that Dave was probably sitting there and doing whatever it is that he does that makes him think of these lies and just printed that one. Do you remember his name ever coming up in the WWF in the late nineties? Like when you guys were bringing back characters like the British bulldog and the anvil and boss man, does anything ever come up? I don't, about Hercules? I don't remember Herc being active during that time, you know, for it really even to come up. So, you know, no, I, I really don't remember that because again, it, it's usually when guys are active and they're still doing stuff that you can see them and, and it gets to the forefront, but I don't remember Herc being active at that time. It's kind of surprising to me. He never popped up in WCW. It feels like fucking everybody who was once any sort of name in the WWF wound up there, but it is not the case here. Uh, unfortunately, Ray Fernandez passed away on March 6, 2004. He had heart disease at the so young age of just 47 years old. And it feels like he's been universally liked man. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about him. Uh, he had a pretty decent run with you guys up there for a little over six years. In your opinion, given, you know, the heyday being what it was and some, some, some main events on pay-per-view, some main events on Saturday night's main event. Should Herc be in the Hall of Fame one day? I do think Herc should be in the holiday, in the holiday one day, in the Hall of Fame one day, because everywhere that Herc worked in the territories in WWE, he was able, at least for a period of time, to be on top and be involved in in a top story. Whether it was in a long time, whether or not he ultimately connected with the audience or not, I think that he was in a story and will always be remembered and is deserved of a hall of fame. Not yes. Let's do some questions here. Uh, Adam on Twitter wants to know where did Hercules get his chain? Hercules chains are us. See, because the regular chains are us. They don't carry Herculean chains. I see. So Thank Hercules you. chains are us. It's, it's a special, it's a specialty shop. It's kind of like a boutique chains are us. I get it, man. A little, uh, little knowledge. Well, a lot of people don't get that. No, it's a pro shopping tip. They got, that they got Herculean chains and they just don't. What kind of shit is that? Really? Yeah. Uh, Dosh longer dink. (laughs) (laughs) Ever hear about Hercules doing anything kinky with those change? I don't even know. Let's move on. That was wrong with you people. I I just, it made me laugh. I had to ask TJL 66 wants to know which Hercules was better in Bruce's opinion, heel or baby face heel all the way. Daryl wants to know, love the segment when Heenan and slick went to the bank to buy a Hercules contract, but why was it decided that Hercules would be a better fit with Heenan than slick? A new painter coat. And I think that, you know, Bobby, I think that Bobby, and for whatever reason, I love Slick to death, but I just think that uh, Bobby was better with Herc. They had they had chemistry too. They liked each other, and there was 
an unspoken chemistry between Bobby and Herc. It worked. Uh, Tim wants to know, I noticed recently that Hercules didn't miss a lot of time during his run at all. What, if anything, do you think contributes to his ability to stay healthy during such a demanding time in the history of the business? You know, you just did it. And there are a lot of guys that when you go back in time and you look at the schedule and we talked about it, hit on it a little bit earlier, it's just what you did. And we didn't know anything else. So you put your head down and you work through it. So I think it was a different breed of talent that, you know, it's not saying good, bad, or indifferent about any talent of any time. It's just the times change, the, the wear and tear changes and the audience changes. So your, your talent and your athletes are going to change as well. Just was, it just was different. Uh, Ed wants to know what's the best version of Herc and why is it the power and glory version? There you go, Ed. There you go. The Bobby Heenan version. Brad Stanton wants to know, was there not enough confidence in Hercules to put any belt on him? He never won any. Well, you know what? Maybe he should have trained a little harder. Listen to you. Lenny wants to know. And if he hadn't got his hair cut, he would have been stronger. So there. Okay. All right. Now we can pack it up next week. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be talking about in your house, cold day in hell. It's stone cold. Steve Austin versus the undertaker for the WWF world championship. And yes, this is Steve's first title shot and main event on pay-per-view. It's also going to put together the heart foundation. Uh, we've got Ken Shamrock's pay-per-view in-ring debut against Vader. And boy, that was brutal. The first of many mankind versus rock matches. Ahmed is going to do three singles matches in a row. It's almost like, I'm sorry. Uh, plus Jesse James versus rockabilly. Raw's going to be moving to 9 PM FMW. Yes. Onita's promotion is talking to the WWF a lot to talk about next week on the show. And then you got to take your lashings for three consecutive Ahmed matches on the same show. I said, I'm sorry. Okay. You're forgiven. All right. Thank you. Well, boys and girls, this was fun, man. I, uh, I really had a a great time talking about Hercules today and, uh, I hope everybody else did too. And, uh, I'm looking forward to next week, man. Thanks for making the time today. And we'll see you next week right here, hopefully on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard rock on. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.